Hello, we are the Shy Guys and you're listening to Connecting to Host, your co-op and multiplayer gaming podcast. So today we're going to be talking about Necropolis, which combines third-person action with roguelite dungeon delving for a game that's fast-paced and addictive, yet diabolically hardcore. You can adventure alone or up to three friends in a magical death trap that reconstructs itself each time you play. Uh, Necropolis is available on PS4, Xbox One, and all the stores on sort of Steam and Humble for Windows and Mac, and it costs 28 euros or 23 pounds, at least on Steam. Uh, we're both playing it on the PC, however, and after a couple of very short and failed runs, uh, Ben took to the brute, and I took to the Blackguard character. So, how about you tell us a bit about the game, Ben? Sure. So it's um, a third-person roguelike dungeon crawler with a ton of acronyms and other descriptive <laughs> labels that make you want to tear your hair out. Set in a labyrinth in the netherworld featuring moving platforms and hidden treasures. Um, one of the things that makes it very distinctive is its minimalist low-poly art style. So it's uh, kind of like Wind Waker, in a sense, in that it's mm. that kind of... Um, a uh, cell shaded style almost, but with a much more muted palette. Think something like uh, Monument Valley would probably be a good example of a yeah. color scheme that it goes for. Um, so it's basically just randomly generated, your, your typical sort of roguelike thing. Um, we've got multiple floors of dungeons containing monsters and basic puzzles and lots of leveled treasures such as weapons and shields and outfits and consumables. Uh, you get rations that you can craft, you get potions that you can find and identify, spell scrolls that are much the same. Um, and there are lots of opportunities to move parts of the level around. So there's these little blue gemstones that you hit um, that look a little bit like the ones in Zelda actually. You know like those mm. little, uh, what are they called? It's not a trapezoid, it's like a, what's a Two triangles on top of each other. Two, two a bit like a triangles. Like yeah. a tulip shape. But yeah. And then you sort of hit them and then stuff happens around the level. Sometimes <laughs> multiple times you have to do things. There's lifts, which is quite amusing because sometimes mm. uh, one of us will go up and the other one doesn't realise. Uh, <laughs> Um, so at the start of each round, what's the point of it is probably what people are thinking at this point. And the point is that you have various tasks to complete as you go around. And they're a bit weird. Like it's <laughs> the first one we got was like smash 43 vases. And it's like, well, that's mm. a very specific number. And also quite a high number because we didn't find that many at first or kill five rats or. Yeah, you, you don't seem to always be able to complete the quest. I and mean, maybe we just didn't search enough, but you don't seem to be able to always complete the quest on one floor. It might take multiple floors. So Yeah. Um, I mean, in that sense, it's kind of like something like Alter's Adventure, where you have three tasks that you have to complete, but you might have to get a certain way through before you do it. Mm. Um, the difference is that once you get to each floor, there's like this weird triangle thing who's in charge of the dungeon that speaks to you. Um, and... If you've completed one or more of the tasks, he'll give you new ones at that point, but he'll also reward you uh, with a token, which you can spend um, in like, these little stores that between each floor, there's like a, a box you can open with it. Um, only one box, though, which is yeah. annoying. Um, one golden had, chest. And inside is a pretty good weapon or something, so only one of us got it. Uh, but there's other things to spend your tokens on as well. There's a little trader who sells various bits, and there's a scriptorium, which spells and things um there's also these codex things like little books that you can equip at a time um, and they're persistent between runs so it sort of gives you a bit of an incentive to keep going um 
Yeah, I mean, that's, that's pretty much it, really. At the end of each yeah. uh, sort of floor, you can um, upgrade your stamina or your health. Um, and we hoped that that might be persistent, but it's not. It seems yep. to reset <laughs> when you die. And also, I mean, you can die in the game. I mean, I guess we'll talk about that later on, but you, you, one of the characters can die and the other one can revive them. Um, mm. Well, no, you don't revive them, do you? They just sort of fall into the world again later on, kind of a bit uh, full flat. You do get a few seconds to revive them. You get like a good... Uh, I think about five or two, well, probably 10 to 15 seconds to run over and pick them up. But if you don't do that, then they've come back to life without any of their gear or upgrades they come, or they anything. Come, they come back as if they just started the game. That was the mm. bit I was remembering. So that's a shame. <laughs> <laughs> but you do get 10 or 15 seconds while they bleed out to run over and pick them up. So Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I mean, that, that's it in a, in a nutshell, really. It's just a fairly standard roguelite run around smashy thing. Um, should probably point out that it's all 3D. It's not a, a 2D one, mm. as most roguelite things tend to be these days. Uh, it is a full 3D. Uh, is it third person? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, third person. I don't think you can first person it, can you? No, I remember. wouldn't want to. <laughs> no, that's true as <laughs> Be well. mad in some of those environments. But Cool. So onto the other notes and multiplayer specifics. You can play this with... Uh, up to three friends, so two to four player online co-op. And we had no problem at all with the online co-op. No. It was a smooth experience to start the game and easy to easy to join and it just worked. Like Always nice to note when we don't have any problems because sometimes yep. we do, but not with it. It's this rare. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's two different characters that you can pick. There's the Blackguard, which is the original character before they came out with the Brutal Edition. And uh, they are a bit more roguey, I guess. I mean, they're the original character, so they, I guess they are the average at everything. And then they added the Brute character as part of the Brutal upgrade. Uh, they move around a bit slower, have some more hit points, but they're actually a bit faster at swinging the weapon. Um, so in comp they're obviously you know, big and chunky, and they're probably easier to hit. I imagine their hitbox is bigger too, because they're a big... Big top-heavy guy bouncing around. Uh, with each character, you can you can make them female, male or female. So I guess if there's four of you, there is four variants of the characters. But that doesn't make any difference to the stats or anything, but just something something different. Uh, there is friendly fire in this game, which I think is a pretty interesting addition. Mm. Maybe we'll discuss that a bit more later in our likes and dislikes. But uh, this applies both to the players and the enemies. So if you're running around with a big sword swinging it madly, you're going to start hitting your friend and doing damage to them. But equally... If you coax a whole bunch of enemies into a circle and they're enemies with big attack patterns and they actually hit each other too. So yeah, at least there's the level of fairness there. Um, but I think the friendly fire has its ups and downs, which we'll, we'll discuss later. I think we might be on opposite ends of the spectrum here. It's my gut feeling. <laughs> um, the equipment you find throughout the game uh, is tiered from level zero to four. Don't know why it's not one to five, but I guess... Uh, Developers. <laughs> <laughs> Um, you obviously, as you progress through the levels of the dungeon, you're going to unlock higher and higher level equipment. The weapons and the armor, armor you just find in a complete suit. You don't find bits of armor. So you're eating one bit of armor, one weapon, one shield, and a secondary weapon is basically what you run around carrying. I think the secondary weapon actually takes up the shield slot. So it does, yeah. You either have a shield or you have like a bow, which you can like a crossbow. Um, the weapons and the armor can have one of 12 traits. And that might be something like fire or water, but also certain verbs like pierce and heft or adjectives. Um, and they all just add traits to your weapons. So there's actually about 100 weapons in total, which is pretty cool, with all sorts of different passive and active abilities. Some of them, the one you had, for instance, when you did your power attack, big circle came out of it, which did loads of damage. 
Oh, uh, yeah, I remember. She always kept getting trapped in it, which is probably where yeah. we're on opposite ends of the spectrum when it comes to friendly fire, because <laughs> I was the one doing all the fire. It out. <laughs> and I was taking it like a sucker. Um, there's about 15 different armor sets, too, for each class, and about 20 shields. I mean, I looked through the, the wiki just to get a, a rough number of how many there are. Uh, last thing, I think, to mention is that the players have presumably a bunch of stats hidden under the hood, but the only two that you see uh, is a health bar and a stamina bar. And the combat itself is actually pretty Dark Soulsy, I thought. Mm. So you spend a lot of the time with the shield up, uh, timing, there's some resource management in the combat because whenever you get hit, your stamina goes down. Whenever you attack, your stamina goes down. If it goes to zero, you can't block effectively. So there's a, there's, there's a bit of Dark Souls dancing, timing your attacks. It took us a few runs to figure that out. When we did, I actually quite liked it. Yeah, like the first few times we were like, God, this combat is really janky. It's really <laughs> slow, isn't it? It's terrible. Oh my God, this mm. is so annoying. And we nearly gave up after our second run. And we were like, no, we'll give it one more. And then that run, and the first two were like five minutes each. And then the second one, yeah. so the third one was like an hour and a half. <laughs> yeah, like, that was a proper... Properly into it. It's like, oh, okay, that's how this works. Fine, okay. Once the penny had dropped, the Dark Souls penny, or the golden coin, um, it was it was a lot better to make its way through. And the other interesting fact is that your max stamina goes down when you use special moves. And it only comes back when you use healing items. So in regular combat, your stamina bar goes down. But the cost of using your special attack, other than it taking a bunch of time to charge, is that your max stamina actually dips a little way. So you can't use it too many times. That is an interesting mechanic. Added something to it. So, Anything more game facts you want to say, Ben? I don't think so. No. No? Crack on with the likes and dislikes. Nice. That sums it up nicely. So maybe you can kick us off with your your first like, Ben. All right. My my first one was um, we'd been playing a different game before this, which I think we're probably going to review soon, which was Versus Squad, which is a game devoid of merit. Um, And so (laughs) (laughs) uh, when we started playing this, I was not in the best of moods. I was like, well, that's a waste of an hour that I won't get back. Jeez. And we started playing this. And... This game was one that we'd had on our wish lists for a while, but it had very mixed reviews, and we were like, mm, always sort of a bit suspicious about whether we should get it and like it. Almost bought it a few times and then didn't. And so my hopes were not high, especially in mm. a bad mood after playing Versus <laughs> Um And the first thing that you come across in this game is you wake up, and there's like, ah, go, go over to the mural, the, the Great Wall. We think it's some sort of controller. <laughs> it's just like this big <laughs> big glowing wall with a controller etched into it with all the buttons on it. And I was like, oh, that's pretty funny. <laughs> um, and there was like a, a nice level of humour all the way through. There were quite a few moments where I just go, <laughs> there's a little <laughs> chuckle to myself. Um, like there were little etchings on the wall sometimes that just added a little bit of colour. Um, or mm. sometimes there'd be an insult about people that had been through previously or you'd get to a certain bit of a level and the boss guy in charge of it would be like, hi, I thought you would have died a while back, <laughs> which um, I enjoyed. It was kind of like, it's sort of almost like a Portal-like sort of level of humour. Maybe not as funny mm. as Portal, but that kind of gentle humour throughout, which uh, I enjoy very much. So, uh, yeah, I, I wasn't expecting it and enjoyed it very much because of it. Yeah, it wasn't, like you say, it wasn't too in your face either, which I liked. It was just a little underlying run of tongue-in-cheek humour. Uh, Even on things like of... um, descriptions of items and things would be quite mm. amusing. I can't think of any off the top of my head, but there were a few that had like amusing bits of text. and Quite often you'd find stuff with a bit of uh, 
text attached to it that would be amusing in some way or another. It wasn't like a laugh a minute, but it was, I, yeah. I would say, a wry chuckle every five minutes. That's how I'd describe yeah. it. <clears throat> Definitely. I agree. So my first like is just the overall combat mechanics. Sure, it took a couple of runs to get used to, and I think that's in part due to the kind of slightly top-down camera angle, which immediately makes you think, oh, it's an ARPG like Diablo. I should just go in, guns blazing, spamming all my abilities. Definitely not how it plays. No. <laughs> it's a fairly unforgiving combat. You know, you only some bad guys would hit you from full health and take you down to a quarter health in one go. And that was not too far into the game. So you knew that you had to dodge and block a lot of the time. But once you get used to it, then it becomes very satisfying. I mean, I I, I sunk 200 hours into the, probably 300 into the various Dark Souls games. So, I mean, obviously I'm part of the target audience for who's likely to enjoy this sort of combat. But I did enjoy it. It, it wasn't quite as, you know, in-depth or scary as Dark Souls combat, but it was definitely hit the hit the funny bone. Well, not the funny bone, the, the need to play that sort of game. So, I yeah, I, I found the combat interesting I, I did find it quite slow and arduous but eventually did get used to it and be like oh, okay it's fairly really interesting but i've never played any dark souls games because they'd ship me mm. right up so <laughs> <laughs> whenever anyone says something's dark souls i'm just like okay that'll ship me up won't play that then um, but that's, that's not what it means at all <laughs> my um, my next like was that um the potions and scrolls uh were really interesting in that they sort of felt a little bit like you know, Dungeons and Dragons style or like Neverwinter Nights, uh, specifically the frame of reference I have for this, where in Neverwinter Nights you'd find something, it'd just be like blue flask, it'd be like unknown potion, and then you'd have to spend mm. 100 gold at a merchant for them to identify it or use an identifying scroll or up your law skill. Um, and in this, um, along with the nice humour that we mentioned earlier, so you know, you might pick up a scroll and they'll just say, surely a magic scroll on it. <laughs> <laughs> But you don't know what it is until you've... How did you actually find out what it was? I think you could... There was some way of identifying them. Did you just so use I it? Think, and well, then it was like a risk, like a Tojamanel present. Yeah, I, I have a feeling there are three ways. There is an identify scroll, which you could use to identify potions and other scrolls. There were... Well, there's actually a, a codex at the Scriptorium as well, I think, which will... If you buy it with enough tokens, whenever it's equipped, it will just identify things in your inventory. Hmm. Uh, you could also just cast it, and then you would know all. You know, if you had three of them in your inventory and cast one of them, you at least know what the other two do. And most scrolls seem to be yeah. positive. So I mean, it was a buff of some sort. You might just waste it at the wrong time. I, think, I like that kind of toe jam and earl style. Uh, like when you open the presents, you're like, I've got no idea what this is going to do. And sometimes <laughs> it'd be awesome, and sometimes it'd be terrible. But you're like, okay, I know what that is now. It was kind of like that, I think about it. But you're right, there weren't really any negative scrolls, at least not that we found. I mean, maybe there are. No. But yeah. uh, one I of the cool think things... you could... If you could learn to craft it, maybe by finding the recipe somewhere, I think then you also knew what the item was, so you would, I you think, would know what they are when you pick them up. I think that's how I deduced some of my potions, because I knew what one mm. of the potions was, because I crafted it. And then yeah. suddenly a load of others in my inventory were like, oh, that's what that is. And I was like, oh, <laughs> awesome. Um yeah. But one of the cool things about it we found out afterwards is that the icons for the potions actually change each game. So just because you picked up a red potion this time doesn't mean that that icon means the same potion it did in your last run through. Um, mm -hmm. So it will be randomly generated. The descriptions are random as well, uh, which is pretty cool. It's a nice bit of thought gone into that so that you can't just be you know, 
I guess it makes it harder for speedrunners. That's yeah. <laughs> that's always funny. So cool. My last like is this: the general, <laughs> my favorite word, but variation, and uh, that means a lot of things in different games. But in this one, it truly is just a large amount of content. I mean, it's not huge, right? But I'd say there's about fifty types of enemies when you include the variants. So some enemies there's only one variant of, but some like the skeletons, there's at least eight, if not ten, different types of skeleton you can find like you know smaller ones or faster ones or bigger ones with more armor and weapons uh there's even some crazy enemies that can run up and steal your items <laughs> which we found out much to our uh distaste when we first met yeah. them it's like oh little guy let's just beat him up and then he runs up to you swipes your weapon and just runs off and you're like uh <laughs> what am i supposed to do and then once he's gone too far then you lose him forever so these guys kind of, uh, I think they actually come in and kind of sweep the level once you've killed. They can randomly appear, but once you've killed a lot of guys, then these little bandits come in and start picking up the loot you've left behind or trying to steal your loot. As a, like Now the level's empty kind of thing. So <laughs> that's a really cool and nice little touch. But there's a, there's a nice big bunch of enemies and they have uh, very different attack patterns, which I think is really important with the Dark Souls type combat. So some of them are just yeah, your regular straight up guys some of them have very predictable patterns some of them move a bit more randomly and have area of effects and then we even met some guys and i i don't think this is a coincidence because you died with the um mega sword that made this big purple ring of damage around you yeah and not long after we started meeting bad guys who could do the same and i think there's some mechanic where i could just be making this up this could be bullshit and i could just been random chance but one of the selling points they say is that you'll meet dead adventurers in the in your path and i wonder if it's because you had that sword they did or whether it's just you know they just randomly generate player like that one enemies because I was going to say, one of the other nice things of variation is that there were a few different like biomes almost. Like, mm, yeah, we started off in like a temple area that was very Monument Valley like, um, and then we ended up like in a river area with lots of like water that you could run through and like these poisonous plant people and stuff and infected types. Um, and then it was when we got to the snow bit that was when I died, and that's where the people were that were attacking with those same red swords. So mm. I don't know. If they came after or before I died. True, true. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But we had just changed into a new area where the difficulty yeah. jumped up considerably. Um, <laughs> but it's nice that there's variation there. I don't know how many different areas there actually are uh, in the game in its entirety. Um, but no, there, I didn't know. we certainly saw three or four different areas, which was pretty cool. And like we said earlier, there's a huge amount of weapons. You don't find them that quick either. So you're not going to find 100 different weapons in your first run. No. Yes, you find an interesting new weapon every 15, 20 minutes or so. You find weapons all the time, but they're usually tier zero drops from enemies. And then you find a chest with a tier one or tier two. And you're like, yeah, this is the shit. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's not like um, huge amounts of variation, but there's, there's enough to keep you going for quite a few runs, I think. Yeah. So... On to our dislikes. Um, I'll, I'll kick us off. Uh, one of the things that annoyed me most about this is um, what we were just talking about, picking up weapons, um, where when there's an item on the floor, you have to stand over it and wait for like a second and a half oh, for it to yeah. pop up because they'd used all the buttons. I can't remember what the A button was used for, but it was something really stupid. And I was like, well, why didn't they put that somewhere else? Or I can't remember now because we played it like last, well, it was probably about three days ago. I should be able to remember, but my memory is terrible. <laughs> but I remember thinking the solution to this problem is easy. Just press the A button when you're over a piece of loot and it'll tell you instantly what it is. Because if you just stood over the top of it, sometimes it would pop up while you're being attacked 
and that's irritating. But other times you're like, I just want to know if that's something I should pick up. And it's like, mm. I'm not going to tell you until you wait. There we go. Oh. Even if they had yeah. like a Borderlands-y style, you know, green outline or purple outline if it's a good weapon or just stuff that's better than what you've got because you can't pick stuff up and sell it at like a tavern or anything there's none of that it's just swap the weapon but it was just arduous especially when there was so much stuff being dropped and you kind of got to a point where you didn't want to check every item but if you don't check every item there might be something really good there that you need to actually get through the next bit because otherwise they're all overpowered so that was irritating Um, and I'm fairly sure it was some Button layout bullshit. I can't remember exactly what it was, but I'm sure that A button did something silly. <laughs> the annoying uh, thing we were talking about button layout was that the uh, the X button on the left, which in a combat heavy game you have yes. a few minutes into the combat, actually consumes your. You start the game with one ration, uh, or maybe you've only got two potions. You know, resources are tight in this game, and that button is what uses your resources. And I guess yes. in a lot of these games, you would assume that to be the attack button. So reflectively, I'm pushing that button. Quite frequently on our first few runs, oh fuck! I've eaten another ration. And I'm I did that full health all the time. Very mm. irritating. Again, I mean, we're going to talk about the friendly fire in a minute. But one of the things I like about it is it's a bit more realistic. Like if I'm there swinging a massive giant sword, you should take some damage because I'm <laughs> swinging a massive sword. It's going to cut you up. Um, I don't like it in games when when you're being attacked, you can just press a button and just eat something and be like, ah, miraculously mm. healed. And I think <laughs> it maybe took a bit of time to eat something, but I don't I know if so, you yeah. get interrupted. I don't remember how that worked exactly. But I always think if you're going to stop and eat something, then you should have to go into a pause menu and it shouldn't pause the game. Like, <laughs> like you have to it, go into it, your inventory or your backpack. Yeah, in the same way that in real life, if I had killed a load of guys and then I'm like, hmm, I should eat my turkey leg, then I want to look down, open my bag, rummage through it. It doesn't pause everything around me. I'm not a time traveller. So <laughs> then I go in, eat my thing, which then takes a bit of time. My health comes back, done. Um, and so I dislike it when you can just press a button, especially one as ubiquitous as the X button. You just <laughs> keep pressing it by accident. And it's like, ah, oh, shit, I've eaten another bloody thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that should be in the pause menu. And then... The X button could have been used for interact with weapons on the floor. That was the solution to the problem. <laughs> Sold right there. Thank you very much. Yep. So, um, right. So my uh, my first dislike is that, and I think there's a fine line between exploration in the game and being frustrated that you don't really know what's going on. Mm. And there were a bunch of things that in this, even in this review, we've looked up in a wiki since because we didn't really know what was going on. And I think they don't. They could make a slightly better effort making it clearer what happens with things like the codexes. So they're slightly confusing because you first get to the scriptorium, and then there's 15 different codexes. Now they don't tell you what any of them do. They just give you a cryptic one-liner as to like, ha ha. And some of them are reasonably obvious, but some of them are not. And it's like, ha ha. The man who hunts in the dungeon feels less hungry. And it's like, ah, now you get hungry at half pace. It's like, okay, yeah, I, I kind of guessed that one. But a lot of them, you're like, what's it? Just tell me what it does. You know, give me the hard facts of what it does in this kind of game where it's, you know, I don't know. I just feel like... I, I think should, you're I right. I mean, do. it can have the fun text, but then yeah. underneath just say, you know, the plain text, what it actually does, which I think I could be wrong. I'm sort of thinking that Breath of the Wild does that. That mm. it might have some sort of fun description for a piece of food, but then it tells you, like, it yeah, does the hard frost facts. resistance. Yeah, so, you know, like, freeze berry salmon steak. And it's like, then in small brackets underneath, 
makes you invulnerable for like two minutes or whatever it might be. Because like, on the cold. flip side, I like that for the scrolls and the potions that you have to make effort to identify them because those are small little throwaway items that you find, you know, oh, I'm going to take the risk and drink this potion. That's kind of fun. But the, the, the codex is you have to play for an hour or two to get enough tokens to unlock one. And then if you buy one and it's shit, <laughs> that's just frustrating, right? You're like, oh, great. I've got a waste of two hours of token collecting. So Especially if you don't know what it is either. It's, like yeah. it's, not, it's not fun to try and work out what something is in a game where you can die incredibly easily. Like, mm. I don't want to, if I've spent my tokens on it, I want you to tell me what it does. Um, yeah. And then there were dies, and I think you bought oh. one or two of those, and we found one. And I'm not sure if you are supposed to be able to use them if they persist between rounds, because you bought it at the end of the game, right? Mm. Uh, I've... I, I thought that it for. might be that if I started the game, I'd be able to change the color of my cloak or something. But I yeah. can't see an option. I have no idea what it did. No idea at all. And <laughs> I spent assume. four tokens on it, which is very frustrating. <laughs> I could have saved them and bought a stamina upgrade or something. Yeah, yeah, in the next run. So, so yeah, that was um, that was a little bit frustrating. I think it could have done with... It wasn't so bad that I wouldn't play it again. But it was a little bit like... I'll just play it with the wiki up next time to tell me a few more things, like what the codexes are, and a, m- a bunch of things we've already mentioned in this review. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. Very very Moon Hunters, really. That kind of, uh, like we said in that episode, which I think was the last one we did, actually, um, where stuff just isn't explained. It's just like, here is yeah. a thing. Go work it out yourself. Which is kind of, I mean, I-, I find this in making iPhone apps, that sometimes I'll build the app and then I'm like, eh, it's obvious for anyone who uses it and I don't bother <laughs> making like the tooltips or the descriptions or the tutorial videos because I can't be asked. And it must be the same when making games like this, whereby you get to the end and you're like, ah, oh, we're so close to launch, but I just need to write some like tutorial text to tell people, ah, oh, no, they can work it out themselves. They'll look online. We don't need to bother yeah. with that. And it's, it's fucking lazy, actually, developers <laughs> to stop doing it because it's really irritating. But I think it is a fine line because you don't want everything spelled out to you because then it becomes tedious and you skip the tutorial. And no, I, I think, like I say, with the scrolls and the potions, I quite enjoyed that exploration. But with the things that I spent hours to earn, don't you know, just tell me what it is. I wouldn't walk yeah. into a shop and spend a, a thousand pounds on something if you don't really tell me. You know, oh, it looks yeah. nice, but what does this? What does this piece of hardware do? You'll find out when you get home. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I think. I think you've, nailed it there if it's something you found in the world then sure mask it as much as you want and have a bit of experimentation with it if it's a thing that you are buying from a shop then you should say what it is that's exactly you're exactly right um so i only had one more dislike and it's a fairly minor one and it's one we mention oftentimes uh, which is ultra wide display support now it's not our usual complaint of it doesn't work with an ultra-wide and you just have black bars down the side because you're going to be locked to 1440p. Um, instead, it did work for most of the time and looks great in the actual game itself mm. and the menu and stuff. Um, but there were a few screens where everything was a complete catastrophe. Um, so <laughs> some like, uh, I think it was the shops and I think it was the codex piece. You'd have yeah. like text overflowing and bits interacting where they shouldn't be. And, you know, it's fair enough. It's an indie title they're not going to necessarily test it and support it and everything. It's just kind of weird that the game itself was supported and worked, but those bits didn't. Um, mm-hmm. And again, I understand the frustration because with like iPhone development, 
I'll test it on everything and be like, yeah, it's fine, it's fine. And I'll test it to make sure it runs on a shitty little iPhone 4S. Like, yep, that works. But I don't look at every single screen. Uh, yeah, and then invariably yeah. someone goes, oh, you can't scroll on this page and I can't read the text. And you go, oh, yeah, should have fixed that. So uh, I, I'm hesitant to even call it a dislike because I do the same thing myself. But then people yeah. shit all over me when I do it. So I'm going to do the same to you. So. Fair. Totally fair. <laughs> Uh, but no, it was a minor annoyance that you say. Yeah. It was definitely there. So my last um, dislike is more of a, I couldn't really find an exact thing to put my finger on, but more of just an overall feel, I think. The game was fun. And overall, the mechanics were pretty good. I like finding the potions and scrolls and fighting the bad guys. But it just seemed to lack, I don't know, that thing that makes you want to keep coming back for more. Like on their page, they say, ah, oh, this is going to be one of those games where you just go, just one more game. And I didn't get that feeling, unfortunately. I don't know exactly why, you know, like, because it was all, it was all fine, like adequate. And nothing was really that bad, but there's nothing that made me go, yes, I want to do another run and see how far I can get. I just, well, after a long hour and a half run, I was like, yeah, I could do another one if you really wanted to, but I'm not going to push for it. I um, think I know what the problem is. And I, I feel like... I have a lot of solutions to problems that aren't mine tonight. <laughs> but the thing I found is that it was just a bit boring, really. I, you know, just go around, hit a few things. I, I wasn't excited at any point playing it. It was all right, and I had a little chuckle, but I didn't really enjoy it that much. I wouldn't rush back to play it. And I think the problem is for a very simple one, which is that the three things that you have to do on each run are randomly generated, and they're quite big, like destroy 43 vases and it's like uh, it feels a bit feels a bit ubisoft feels a little bit <laughs> ubisoft side quest where you have just you know find 200 feathers and it's like uh, it's not it's not really testing my skills or doing anything to make me have one more try um i almost think it would be better if they had more challenges and that they were a bit more meaty or if they had something like a boss fight at the end of each level, mm, uh, something a bit yeah. harder to get your teeth into. Um, or it just needs more to drive it forward because it's fine to have the more monotonous sort of uh, roll through attacking loads of stuff if there's a payoff at the end. But yeah. there wasn't really a payoff at the end, um, especially when the payoff could have been the stuff that you unlock with the tokens, but then they don't tell you what it is. So <laughs> it, it just yeah. kind of like spits in your face at the end of it so i think that that was what did it for me is that i've got no interest in playing it again because i have no reason to there's nothing mm. nothing pulling me to it at all lacking a carrot right there's just no like you say there's nothing that makes you there's no certain bit where you go that's the bit i'm trying to get to like if you say there was a big thing at the end of a level even if it was you know like really i mean they don't quite have enough weapons and stuff i guess they just give out loads and loads and loads of the sort of high power ones early on but if they had more tiers of weapons, and they could be reskins with just different stats, right? But if the weapons went from tier 0 to tier 10, and at the end of each level you always got the next tier of weapon or something, at least you'd be like, yeah, something new and badass to play with. But while I did say there was quite a lot of variation, it didn't feel like there's that much to play with. And I think that was missing. Like, you, oh, another weapon, great, it's a bit faster, but it does a bit more damage. But actually, if each weapon had a cool special attack or more variation like that, that would have been better. But yeah, you never got a really There needs to be a reason for you to be fighting in the first place. Like, it's <laughs> kind of... 
there's no real story payoff, or at least not one that we found. There was no real mm. drive. It's just like, oh, you're in this thing and you've got to do these tasks for me or else you'll die. And you're like, oh, okay. <laughs> it's not like... <laughs> like Gauntlet was a good example. Was it Gauntlet or was it Forced? Which one was it where you were fighting for the gods and you were just like their plaything? And they were like, in you go, do these arenas for us. <laughs> um, and then, I think it was Forced, actually. I think you're thinking Forced, <clears throat> yeah. Gauntlet is like, get through the dungeon and kill the big bad at the bottom. That was it. So in Forced, though, you had like that drive because whilst there was like this god puppeting you, your goal was to eventually kill it. And all it needed was a bit of dialogue between them to say that we need to kill this pyramid thing so we can get out of here. But there was none of that. Mm. It was just like, this is what it is. I'm giving you these tasks. I'm doing them in a jokey way because I think it's a bit shit as well. But it is what it is. On you go. Um, <laughs> and you never really very... knew how far through you... like. Yeah. Were there were there ten levels of dungeon? If we knew that we were, there were ten levels and we were on seven out of ten, we at least know that we we're getting near the end of something. But it didn't feel like it's ever going to end. <laughs> Probably yeah. it does. It just felt like yeah, I'm just going to keep doing this forever, and there would not be a payoff. So yeah, that was that was a bit of a downer. But yeah. so there's one more thing I wanted to discuss, and that was uh, <gasps> the friendly fire mechanic. Mm. I believe you liked it. I I did for the sense of realism. Um, I mean, we've talked before about, um, I think we talked on our um, uh, YouTube channel about, uh, when we are playing Far Cry Primal, about mm. um, shooting people and how if you shoot someone in the leg with an arrow, they should be limping afterwards. Um, and they don't in most games. Um, and so I like it when stuff like that does actually work. Like if you shoot someone, they fall over because they've been shot. Um, in the same way, I like friendly fire in a lot of games because unless it's magic... <laughs> then I'll excuse it. I mean, something like Magicka 2 would not bear well with friendly fire. But <laughs> it's all about the friendly fire. <laughs> but something like this, where it's like, it's trying to be sort of, not realistic, but if I'm hefting a massive great sword around the place, then I'm sorry, it's going to kill you <laughs> if it touches you, because that's a thing. Um, yeah. If I'm throwing spells around, then feasibly you could have some sort of shield that I can't hurt you with it, and I'll let that you know, roll. But I hate it. Also in games, I mean, I don't like it in uh, shooters. If you shoot at someone and you accidentally hit a teammate and they don't take damage, I always think that they should. Um, so I liked it, but I appreciate that you might not have because <laughs> I kept hitting you with it. Yes. <laughs> now I was on the other end. I was on the receiving end of the friendly fire damage and uh, unfriendly first, fire. I liked it because in a lot of games, I do like it. In Magicka, I particularly like it because it's all about you know, targeting your spells across the screen and not hitting your friends. But in, and there's a lot of bad guys in Magicka, so there might be you know five or ten bad guys around the screen, and you're firing spells to the left, I'm firing to the right. Gets a bit crazy. Oh bugger, I hit you. Terribly sorry. Uh, oh no, you're dead. Uh, I'll come over and heal you now. Um, but in this, a life is particularly precious. Yeah, you only have one potion. It doesn't come back. So a slip-up where I get hit isn't just funny. It means, no, now I can't fight and I have to watch you until there's a potion. Um, two, you had a massive sword <laughs> and a special attack which took up a third of the screen, which basically meant a lot of the time I'm like, well, you found the bigger sword before me. I guess I'll just watch because if I get near it, I'm going to get hit, uh, which wasn't particularly fun for that, like maybe 15 minutes out of the run where I was just like, there's no point in me getting close. You've got the better weapon. I think be also because we were on a level where it was corridors and so yeah. we couldn't engage because at the beginning we were quite good going, you go left, I go right, and we'd engage. Yeah. 
separate enemies at the same time so we didn't hit each other and we did pretty well at that and later on we just split off to totally different parts of the map which was our downfall when i died <laughs> uh, but i on that level where it was more corridory it was very difficult mm. not to get in each other's way and i think with four players that's going to be amplified <sighs> even more oh like, yeah me. you have to either split off into twos and explore the level together or just watch one person fight at a time and rotate the fighter around <laughs> Yeah. Not particularly uh, engrossing, I don't think. But um, but yeah, on the other hand, like, if there were more bad guys, I do like I, mean, I like the premise of friendly fire. You've got to be more careful. It's just that the rest of the game design didn't necessarily hang together too well with the friendly fire. Like the enemy attack patterns weren't particularly. Oh, they surrounded us. Let's fight off on each side. It was just like, there's a couple of bad guys. Let's let's go jank them. And then once the fight started, they both focus on you. I guess I'll just watch because <laughs> you're going to spaff your special in a minute and that's going to take up a third of the screen. So I don't want to yeah. be in there and lose half my health to it. So, um, so yeah, friendly fire didn't do it for me in this game, but it did for you. That's why it's a comment and not a like or a dislike. Yeah. So we always finish I, up. I mean, I, I probably saying. would have been happy without it, to be honest. I mean, like, yeah. If it wasn't, if it, if it hadn't been there, I wouldn't have been like, oh, this really needs friendly fire. But because it was there, because we had that dynamic, I liked it at the beginning when we split off and went, okay, go left, go right. Because it felt yeah. kind of more cinema-like. Um, yeah. But yeah, anyway, sorry. Go on. No, no, let's, uh, let's wrap up with our regular conclusion. Would you play it again, Ben? And would you recommend it? I would not play it again because it had no reason for me to do it. And I found it a little bit dull. Dull with the occasional chuckle is how I would <laughs> if I had to give it a one sentence. Um, would I recommend it? I, uh, if you like hard combat and if you think you might play it a lot in single player or if you get it on sale, then yes. Um, I don't think I could recommend it for £23. I mean, we didn't pay full price for it. We got it on sale. Um, it yeah. feels it feels like it should be in early access <laughs> to me. It, yeah. It, I look at it and I actually checked a minute ago. I was like, is this actually an early access game? I'm sure it might be. And I looked it up and one of the first things I saw was a review from 2016 saying, this should be an early access game. Yeah. And I was like, mm, I agree with that. That is exactly right. Um, it seems, I don't like saying it's overpriced, but I think it's marked up a little bit more than maybe it should be for mm. the content. I don't know. Um, so I would give it a a begrudging, eh, try it if you like it, sort of a review. <laughs> I, I'd be very uncommittal. I'd be like, eh, yeah, you could. Eh. Yeah. I think, um, I mean, I would play it again if you if you really liked it. I don't dislike it and not to play it again. I'd be like, yeah, I could do one more run, you know, just to yeah. learn a bit more about the game, but I wouldn't play it over and over. I think my recommendation is about the same. Like, I hate saying this when I know indie devs, uh, you know, need to eat when they make games, and I and games overall are pretty cheap nowadays. They're not going up in price like other things, but um, I do think it's a little bit pricey for the content. For almost thirty euros, you know, you can get Torchlight Two when it came out. I think was less than that, and it's a, a lot you know, bigger dungeon crawling experience so i think when you start to compare it to other things it's, it feels a tiny bit expensive for the content if it was early access and there was a couple more classes coming and maybe more boss fights then i could see it be worth that but you know i think i'm, I'm almost certain it's uh it's it's dead and buried now it's kind of come sold now they're on to the next thing one, one um, point i'd just like to make before we wrap up 
would be that there's nothing wrong with the way it looks or the way mm. it necessarily plays. Like the mechanics are solid, the graphics are great. All of that stuff's fine, which is why it's such a shame because it feels like they're 98% of the way there and it just yeah. needed that little bit of thought to put a little bit more story in or a little mm. bit more challenge, a little bit more, just another couple of progress bars filling in to give you <laughs> that little um, feeling of progression. Uh, XP and, and leveling up would have been nice, you know, like... Exactly. Little things like that, just a bit more carrot to make you play it. It feels like the sort yeah. of thing that give it a couple of days extra development and they could have solved those problems, but yeah. it isn't. And as it stands, it's just not doesn't do it for me. Yeah. I mean, I, I think I would say the same. I'd say get it on sale. I do think it is worth playing. Uh, and even if you just get like four hours out of it because you do two proper runs, that's still, still going to be worth a fiver, right? We bought it for a five or less. It was super cheap, like 80% off. I think um, when it's inevitably on that sale again, I would still consider it. It's something just to try something a bit different. And if you'd like more standard roguelikes, just running around, you know, like the more classic roguelikes, maybe you'll like this a bit more. I think I would find those a bit dull nowadays as well. Yeah. <laughs> but if they're your jam, I think this is actually a pretty good, pretty, yeah, pretty good fun game. So, um, yeah. I think that wraps us up nicely. So thanks ever so much for listening. Check out our website, connectingtohost.co.uk for more episodes of the podcast, but you can also find our YouTube series, our weekly newsletter, and other articles and reviews on our Shy Guys website, shyguys.io. Uh, some of the previous shows we've done have been Moon Hunters, Human Fall Flat, PUBG, and Invisigun Heroes. And next time we're going to be talking about Versus Squad. And if you have any other games you'd like us to review or talk about, then you can always hit us up at CTHCast on Twitter or at ShyGuysIO, in fact. And uh, if you like the show, please head over to iTunes and leave us one of those lovely, tasty reviews. We'd love you for it. Thanks ever so much.